I'm Nicole Mlinarik for N Equals One, a podcast about science and discovery at UC San Diego. In each episode, we bring you the story of one project, one discovery, or one scientist. In today's episode, we're asking all the big questions about pregnancy and COVID-19. As many of you know, having a baby during a pandemic is not easy, and no parent wants to risk their health or their child's health. So we're here to talk through all the latest research, how it was done, and what it means for you. We'll speak with three prominent doctors and researchers at UC San Diego Health who have been studying pregnant people and their babies since the start of the pandemic. We'll cover questions like, how does COVID affect pregnant people differently? Why weren't pregnant people included in the first clinical trials of the vaccine? Does the COVID vaccine affect your fertility? Can you pass COVID or antibodies against COVID to your baby through your breast milk? Our resident experts are here to answer all these questions and more. But before we talk to the doctors, I want to start this episode by giving the mic to an actual mom. The first person we'll hear from is Jasmine, a resident of San Diego and patient at UC San Diego Health. My name is Jasmine Faneuil. I'm a patient at UCSD Hillcrest and I'm 37 weeks pregnant. Jasmine is currently a stay-at-home mom to her older daughter. My daughter, she's nine, but she's still my baby. (laughs) On the morning that we had this conversation, she had just sent her daughter off to picture day. She's now expecting her second baby in November with her partner, Glenn, an aviation technician for the Navy. Jasmine has also previously served in the military and recently celebrated her graduation from cosmetology school, though the pandemic has made it a tricky time to see clients. But unfortunately, that was not the only way that COVID has affected Jasmine personally. Everybody in my family that did get COVID, they're okay, thank God, but... I had a few friends that I know actually passed from COVID and just a shocker to, like, I just really couldn't believe it. I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's just very, it's just very sad because you can't, you can't get those people back, you know. In these difficult times, Jasmine's pregnancy has been an important source of hope for her and her family. But deciding whether or not to get vaccinated while pregnant became an early source of stress. I went to the doctor and I just wanted to make sure it was just safe to take while pregnant because I know it could affect pregnant women differently. And I just asked, was it safe to take it? And they were saying that it was up to the pregnant person, but they didn't really have the data complete, you know, complete and it wasn't FDA approved yet. I wanted to make sure I was in a safe range for not having a miscarriage or anything. And I didn't want, I just wanted to be safe on on all aspects of that. And I was just like, I'd, I'd rather just get to a safer part of my pregnancy. But yeah, it was, it was really hard. For Jasmine, this initial uncertainty was also compounded by social pressures. Many of her family members were vaccinated, but with so many still doubting the safety of vaccines during pregnancy, she was still worried about getting judged by others who might disapprove. I felt like if anything were to happen to the baby and they found out, that I had the vaccine, everybody was thinking, oh, it was the vaccine. Yeah, I did feel the way. I did feel the pressures of that, definitely. Many parents have struggled with this idea that any natural complications in their pregnancy might be attributed to their decision to get vaccinated. But not getting vaccinated is also an active choice. And Jasmine also feared those potential consequences. These fears were especially amplified by her lifelong experiences with asthma. As a child, I had asthma. Well, you always have it, but it was really bad child. So, but I always wanted to play sports and do everything that all the other kids did, but I had to use inhalers most of the time. And 
not being able to breathe is just is uh, something I literally don't take for granted. Like it's not fun at all. And when they explain how COVID affects your lungs and breathing and just the different stages that people go through, I don't think a lot of people under really understood. How, well, I can't speak for other people, but if if you really never had like breathing issues, medical issues, it's it's just not fun not being able to breathe. And but you can see everything, but you can't breathe. It's just like an out of body experience, and it's it's not fun. So I I can't I can't even imagine the pain people talk about when they uh, had COVID. Jasmine continued to weigh the pros and cons of getting vaccinated while pregnant, but a lot has changed since her early doctor visits. The Pfizer vaccine has officially been approved by the FDA, and the CDC now officially recommends that all pregnant, soon to be pregnant, or lactating people should get vaccinated. But so far, only about one in three pregnant people are currently vaccinated. It's clear that many parents still have a lot of questions and concerns. So in our quest for answers, I first turn to Dr. Cynthia Janfee Bannerman. Hi, my name is Dr. Cynthia Janfee Bannerman, and I'm the professor and chair of the Department of Obstetrics, Gynecology, and Reproductive Sciences at UC San Diego Health. My personal interests are in high-risk pregnancies. I'm a maternal fetal medicine specialist, and I've spent some time on the Society for Maternal Fetal Medicine's COVID task force. Dr. Janfee Bannerman, who is herself a mother of two, had previously worked at Columbia University for 16 years before moving to San Diego this year. She was a healthcare worker in New York City during the devastating early days of the pandemic, and she and her team were actually the first to report cases of pregnant women infected with the virus. So before we explore vaccine safety, I first asked her how COVID actually affects pregnant people. What happens is, and we've seen this with um, other respiratory viruses in pregnancy, the physiology of pregnancy is such that women in, you know, early on in the second, third trimester suddenly become more short of breath because as the uterus grows, it essentially compresses the diaphragm and your lung capacity and all of that becomes um smaller, essentially, so that when you have a respiratory infection, it's, it's actually harder to fight that. So we have data to show that pregnant people who are infected with COVID do worse than people who are infected with COVID who are not pregnant, just at baseline. Um, and then they're more likely to require intubation. They're more likely to need ventilatory support. And the death rates are higher in these women as well. Dr. Jamfi Bannerman points out that this has already been known for other respiratory infections like influenza and swine flu. When a pregnant person gets the flu, their symptoms are more severe. And this is part of the reason that pregnant people are highly encouraged to get the flu vaccine. So getting COVID is especially dangerous for the health of the pregnant mother, but can it also affect the baby? Answering this question is our second expert, Dr. Christina Chambers. My name is Christina Chambers. I go by uh, Tina Chambers, and I'm a professor of pediatrics uh, with a joint appointment in the School of Public Health at UC San Diego. And I'm an epidemiologist, uh, so people seem to know what that means these days. Uh, But what I particularly study is the safety of exposures, uh, meaning medications, vaccines, diseases, and so on, in pregnancy and lactation for the developing embryo fetus baby. Dr. Chambers' team has been doing research on the effects of COVID on pregnancies since the start of the pandemic. With the infection, we see an uptick in preterm delivery. Um, So mothers delivering earlier than would be expected on average, like a doubling of uh, incidence of preterm delivery. 
And we're, we're particularly interested in looking at whether or not there's an increased risk for birth defects if mothers were infected during the first trimester. So that'll take some time to accumulate. We're in the same boat as the CDC is uh, with their pregnancy study as well, waiting to have the outcomes for those first trimester exposures. So getting COVID while pregnant is a major concern, especially while the highly infectious Delta variant continues to spread. But for some mothers, it may have been difficult to choose between taking on the risk of potentially getting infected versus choosing to take a new vaccine. Dr. Jamfi Bannerman helps us explore some of these common concerns that people have been having about getting vaccinated. You know, I think that... um... Even within the general public, there's a concern that that things happen rather quickly in terms of the way the vaccines are made. And for someone who does clinical trials, it, it really wasn't that it happened quickly. It was that the phases happened to be parallel rather than um, after each, each phase was completed. And so that was actually a very efficient way to do it. So it was studied in a similar fashion, but it, it, it was more efficiently than it usually does occur. One of the concerns from the very beginning with pregnant people is that they were not included in the clinical trials. And so during the course of the trials where somewhere like 70,000 people were enrolled, about 31 of them incidentally became pregnant. And so we had outcome data on 31 women and it looked like everything was okay, but you know, 70,000 and then 31. So then what do you do with that? Pfizer and Moderna both had to submit animal data uh, that looks at pregnancy. And so we did have that. And for, from those studies, there didn't seem to be any issue for pregnancy, birth defects, anything like that. There weren't any differences in miscarriage rates, but it was animal data on 30 women. And so uh, when we were making the first sets of recommendations, rather than fully endorsing the vaccine, what happened was we said, well, have a conversation with your doctor about it. And so that was the initial message, I think, that we sent with, for the vaccine. Thankfully, it's changed now, uh, but I think there's a lot of catching up that we have to do. Sure. And and just to clarify, is it accurate to say that, you know, the reason that pregnant people were not included in those initial trials is because that's just sort of historically how these trials and drug trials have always worked? That is 100% correct. It just, it's historic. There's not a good reason for it. It's not that for this particular drug, there was a concern related to pregnancy, but it was more historic in that pregnant people are often excluded from clinical trials. And so, so then we saw the results of that. Right. Yeah. So it's not like you should hear that and have alarm bells go off and think, oh, was, did you think there was going to be something wrong if pregnant women got the vaccine? It's just, that's how things have been going, but there does seem to be some changing attitudes in that lately, right? It seems like there's a trend these days to include more focused trials on pregnant and breastfeeding women. Is that accurate? Absolutely. And there are now clinical trials that are ongoing to include pregnant women for the vaccine. So can you tell me a little bit about where we're at now with the research? Like how have these trials been improved since those initial recommendations went out? So that's a great question. So what's happening now is the CDC collected data on pregnant people who chose to be vaccinated kind of in those early days. And then, you know, with pregnancy, obviously, you have this kind of nine month wait period till you see Mm -hmm. the outcomes. And so it, it has taken some time to get the data. But now we have quite a bit of data to show that there's no difference in miscarriage rates for pregnant people who chose to be vaccinated compared to the kind of the historic background rate of, of miscarriage. No difference in stillbirth rates, preterm birth rates. Everything is similar. And so there seems to be no effect on pregnancy for, for the vaccine. So I think what really changed was that 
the Society for Maternal Fetal Medicine, or SMFM, and then ACOG, which is the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, both uh, together on the same day said, you know, we really feel that pregnant women should get vaccinated. We recommend this now. It was done in the setting of the Delta variant, and it was done because the Delta variant really got to those who were unvaccinated. And unfortunately, at the time, it was about 23% of pregnant women had been vaccinated. And so I think it's really helpful to see now that we have kind of more data, more information, and more advocacy towards vaccination and pregnancy. The problem is I think we're, we're a little bit behind. I think it's a very challenging time. And so pregnant women have heard a mixed message and there was a a question of whether it should be recommended and now it's kind of fully recommended. And so I can tell you that what I tell my sisters and my family members is 100% you should get vaccinated. Uh, And if it were me, I would have been vaccinated during pregnancy. Um, So, you know, it's it's hard to think through everything and really understand who to trust. But seeing the really bad outcomes for pregnant people who have chosen not to be vaccinated and, you know, having, you know, close um, friends have deaths in the family. It's, it's, uh, it really is the right thing to do is to get vaccinated during pregnancy. I asked a similar question to Dr. Chambers, who has been leading one of these clinical trials on the safety of the vaccine in pregnant and breastfeeding women. One of her main questions has been whether or not these women experience any difference in side effects after getting the vaccine. She gives us the latest updates from those studies here. Our work on the vaccine, we've enrolled over, I think, 1,500 women who have been vaccinated in pregnancy uh, so far, and we've enrolled several hundred, close to 1,000 women who have been vaccinated during lactation. Is We don't see anything different with the vaccine, and they're the same side effects that we, you, know, you see in the general population. Um, and in terms of the babies, we asked them a checklist of, uh, for breastfed babies if they noticed anything unusual, and the number of things that were reported were low small numbers, and none of them were serious. So if the side effects to the vaccine are, you know, no different than the typical side effects you would get, are those side effects, though, concerning? Yeah, any more concerning if you are pregnant or breastfeeding? Yeah, the only one that we would pick out of that that group um, is fever. So we do know that having a high fever for a sustained period of time at certain times in pregnancy is associated with increased risk of some types of birth defects. And so the recommendation is whatever the source of the fever is, whatever type of infection um, that mothers uh, talk to their doctors about taking a fever reducer uh, to be able to get that fever down. That would be the one thing that I would say that particularly in pregnancy, you would want to pay attention to. Sure. So I guess that's maybe more of a reason to, if you're thinking about getting pregnant, to get get the vaccine (laughs) as soon as possible. This is especially true considering fever is one of the most common symptoms of a COVID infection. So all the more reason to want protection against infection once you're pregnant. But speaking of which, what if you aren't necessarily pregnant yet, but are thinking about having kids in the future? Is there any reason to believe the vaccine could affect your future fertility? There is no evidence that the vaccine interferes with or would interfere with subsequent fertility. And and I think part of the, you know, the anxiety has been because this is a new technology, uh, at least the mRNA vaccines are a new technology uh, type vaccine, but there really is no evidence that this vaccine, new technology or not, has the potential to do anything that would interfere with fertility in the future. We don't 
think that's true with flu vaccine for, for other vaccines that we recommend in pregnancy, Tdap, for example, um, that's never been suggested. Um, I do think the question of uh, inability to maintain the pregnancy, so miscarriage, is always one that comes up early on. And so far, the CDC data do not suggest an increased risk of miscarriage uh, in, from a couple of data sources with any of the vaccines. And we're, we're looking at that as well um, to try to provide reassurance. It's a hard thing to study, but as it stands right now, no indication of an increased risk for miscarriage with the vaccine. The evidence so far do not suggest an increased risk for, for pregnancy loss. Dr. Jamfi Bannerman also notes that similar results have been found in IVF clinics. There are also other studies kind of in the infertility literature showing that women who underwent IVF kind of right after a vaccine had the same fertility rates as women who underwent IVF and weren't vaccinated. So, so no concern for differences in uh, fertility or future fertility and also pregnancy outcomes have been better. So just to recap, the current and growing data shows that getting vaccinated against COVID while pregnant or breastfeeding will not lead to any additional side effects or harm the pregnancy or future fertility in any significant way. But are there any other positive incentives to getting vaccinated while pregnant? Anything to sort of sweeten the deal? Turns out the answer is yes. We'll hear more about that and what Jasmine decided to do in a moment. As we learned so far, getting vaccinated seems to be a clear and safe way to help protect pregnant people against severe COVID infections. But is there a chance it can protect your baby from infection as well? Dr. Jamfi Bannerman gives us some good news. On the flip side, if you have been vaccinated against COVID, do the antibodies that you develop against COVID get passed on to the babies during the pregnancy? So absolutely. That's one of probably the biggest benefits to getting vaccinated during pregnancy rather than postpartum. The antibodies have been found in the cord blood, and so they're they're um, transported to the babies. And the babies who have been tested have similar antibody levels to the to the moms. And so it really is a nice way to protect the newborn as well as as protect yourself. So how long does the protection actually last when it's been passed on through the pregnancy? So we think about six months. We think the antibodies are there for about six months. So it's a nice kind of early way to protect the baby a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Considering, you know, there's obviously no current access to vaccines for infants. This may actually be a really important way that you can naturally protect your baby from infection for, you know, the first many months of its life. Yeah, 100%. So a vaccinated mother's antibodies against COVID are actually transferred to the baby during the third trimester. But is there anything we can do beyond pregnancy? Can these antibodies also be passed to the baby through breast milk? To find out, we asked Dr. Lars Bode, our resident expert on human milk. Uh, Lars Bode, I'm a professor of pediatrics uh, here at UC San Diego, also the founding director of the Mother Milk Infant Center of Research Excellence, short MAMICOR, and the chair of collaborative human milk research. And as the title says, doing a lot of research in human milk. So can breast milk actually protect babies from COVID? For example, can a person that is vaccinated transmit antibodies against COVID-19 to their baby through their breast milk? Absolutely. So we've shown that as well. Women that get the vaccine build antibodies in response to the vaccine. Those antibodies also make it in human milk and can protect potentially the infant. 
When I ask how long this protection lasts, though, he does make an important distinction. Basically, just because the antibodies are in the breast milk doesn't necessarily mean that the baby's body is really taking them up and using them for protection. So we can't say for sure how protected the baby is or how long that protection will last, but we do know the antibodies are present in the breast milk. Dr. Bode and Dr. Chambers are frequent collaborators, so I asked Dr. Chambers to tell us more about this. Comparing the levels of antibodies in the breast milk samples to the antibody levels in a vaccinated person, do you have a sense of how much breast milk or what frequency of breastfeeding we think is necessary for a baby to actually receive protection against the virus? Yeah, I think the answer is unknown. And that, and that, this question comes up all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, can I, if I'm breastfeeding once a day, is that sufficient? Uh, people have even talked about using, giving breast milk to other people right. uh, to, to uh, provide a source of the antibody. So I think it's unknown. What is, you know, what is the protective amount of antibody from breast milk um, that's necessary? So I think all of those puzzle pieces have not been put together yet. Sure, sure. And yeah, just following up on this whole topic, you know, obviously many people struggle with breastfeeding or have to supplement with formula. And these parents might be feeling even more pressure or even guilt now if they aren't able to provide as much protection to their babies. So, you know, do you have any just words of advice or recommendations for these parents? Yeah. Uh, irrespective of the pandemic, that's, you know, obviously a very uh, common and difficult scenario for for women who are um, highly encouraged uh, to breastfeed their babies and to breastfeed for at least six months or up to a year. And in some circumstances, that is not possible. Um, And so I don't know if most people realize that a lot of moms who can't produce milk or are too ill to do so, or don't produce enough, Enough, um, but the baby would really benefit from it used uh, donor milk banks and wonderful women uh, pump extra milk and give it go to all the effort to give it to these donor milk banks. So I, I think the last thing we want is to make a discussion of breastfeeding be a, a discussion of shaming the mother <laughs> into doing, you know, something that it, it is not going to work for her. Um, right. But but I think the, the barriers about concern about the infection or the vaccine, hopefully we're removing those. Right. So it's sounding like essentially do what you can yeah. and do it safely. Yeah. And when you're struggling to or when there are any barriers to you do always have breast milk banks that you can access breast milk safely. Yes. Dr. Bode also commented on this recent trend to buy, sell, or share milk with others in an attempt to get this additional source of COVID antibodies to babies and children. You also see um, that there is other channels, and Craigslist apparently is a huge uh, market for human milk there, where people share milk uh, or sell human milk online that is then not tested and potentially carries the risk of containing pathogens like HIV or hepatitis or certain drugs that the person has been using that you know is not tested for as well. So I would be very careful buying something online that is not properly tested, not properly treated, and then give that either to your infants or for God's sake, drink it yourself if uh, that's what you're desiring. Um, there is a market for it, but I highly recommend that you go through channels that are testing the milk properly and ensuring that it's safe. Uh, Otherwise, you're setting yourself up for more trouble than what you're probably getting uh, in protection. 
Since we are still figuring out what exact level of protection these antibodies actually give the babies, it's important to continue doing everything else we can to prevent infection. So now thinking about the risk of infection in newborns, what happens if a parent becomes infected with COVID when they have a newborn? Should they be isolating themselves from their newborn baby? So that is a fantastic question. So we, we published a paper in, in JAMA Pediatrics that kind of looked at that question, spoke to that question, because we did have COVID positive moms and we had to co-locate the moms with the babies. That's just kind of how our, our um, mother baby unit worked. And so what we did was we promoted direct breastfeeding with hand hygiene and breast hygiene. And then, you know, after the breastfeeding period, while the mom was still infected, you know, the baby and mom would be six uh, feet apart for as much as they could, but then they could go ahead and do breastfeeding and the mom was masked and the outcomes were very good. None of the babies were infected with COVID, but so it's, it's a matter of just being smart and mom masking, obviously, you know, newborns can't mask, but you can still breastfeed and and those types of things. Dr. Bode tells us more about his research on whether or not COVID can be spread through breast milk. Occasionally, we find COVID RNA in milk, and, and even that is very unlikely. So very rarely do we find that we can pick up RNA fragments, but not a single time have we seen that human milk contains an active virus. And no one else since has shown that there is any evidence that there is an active virus that comes through human milk and is able to infect the, uh, the next generation. So you should continue breastfeeding if you are uh, COVID positive. Gotcha. And yeah, related to that, should other family and friends be allowed to visit and hold your newborn if there's any concern about, you know, any of them being infected or not vaccinated? Should they be masked when they're interacting with your newborn? Yeah, I would say now is the time to definitely be masked uh, if you're interacting with a newborn. And and also, I mean, this pandemic is just kind of ongoing, but if there's any concern, it's just not the time to come and visit a newborn. Right. I think that's been a a huge controversial topic. And if you ask some grandparents about it, they will agree. (laughs) They're strong opinions. (laughs) Yes, they have strong opinions. um, And their daughter or son probably has strong opinions about it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think kind of the point that that I think is the most important point to make is is not to kind of go down the path that, okay, once you've been vaccinated, that everything else is not of concern, um, that it's a whole layered uh, set of precautions that are the most prudent to take. And it depends on how much of the virus is circulating in your community. It depends on what your work and home situation is. It depends on whether the people around you are vaccinated. So all of those things play a role. And I've heard, you know, uh, mothers of new babies uh, prior to COVID say they don't want anybody to see the baby their first few weeks or hold the baby. So, you know, it's, it, it, you get differing opinions and nowadays more intense uh, opinions. Like if you're, you know, the grandparent goes to the baseball game and is around other people who may not have been vaccinated, even though they're vaccinated, then that mom may not be comfortable having the baby held or, or be around the grandparent. So I think people have to make personal decisions about it, but it's all a matter of balance. Balancing a uh, risk. Yeah. In navigating all these personal choices, I asked Dr. Chambers what she thinks is the biggest misunderstanding among parents when it comes to COVID and the vaccine. In this environment right now about the vaccine, there are so many questions being raised that are um, uh, asking to 
to prove the negative, demonstrate to us that there's no increased risk for, you know, developing Alzheimer's 50 years from now. Mm -hmm. There's no increased risk for, you know, having your child uh, do less well in high school or something, that those questions can't possibly be answered now and have never been answered for any vaccine prior to it being rolled out. So it, it the I think that's the biggest misunderstanding that it's that it's a possible to uh, rule out all potential concerns uh, about a vaccine before it's released, and B that that you know kind of unfounded concern would override the demonstrated protection that the vaccine is providing. So mm-hmm. I think that's a difficult question. And you can imagine, you know, our counseling service talks to pregnant women every day who are so it's you know, it's basic in us that we what who what mother would want to do something that would harm her baby they don't want to do that they want to protect the baby but they spent a lot of months in a very kind of unclear situation and now that uh, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology and the Centers for Disease Control and Society for Maternal Fetal Medicine have strongly come out and said pregnant women should get vaccinated um, that hopefully people feel uh, less of this anxiety about it, because it, it certainly fear of the unknown is, is can be crippling. If someone was deciding whether to get vaccinated before, during or after pregnancy, what would you recommend they choose? If you were considering, so I think if you're not vaccinated, you should absolutely get vaccinated. So if it's, if you're in a moment where it's your, you want to be pregnant in the next month or so, and you're trying perfect time, get vaccinated, get yourself protected, and then, and then go on. We know that there's no kind of risk to fertility. Um, if you're pregnant and you haven't been vaccinated yet, you should absolutely get vaccinated. And we know that there's no difference by trimester. There's not a higher stillbirth rate or a miscarriage rate. So it doesn't matter what part of the pregnancy you're in, you really should get vaccinated. Vaccinated. And if you haven't been vaccinated and you have postpartum, better late than never, you should get vaccinated and there's still some, some protection through the breast milk to the baby. With those final words of advice, I think back to Jasmine. After that early doctor's appointment, Jasmine continued to ask questions to her physicians at UC San Diego Health. She also watched the news and spoke to other friends and family about their experiences getting vaccinated or not getting vaccinated while pregnant. I would ask questions about the cases they were experiencing at the hospital and then they started, they told me about the cases they were having and most of them were unvaccinated people. And I was seeing a lot of videos with parents passing and leaving off children and I was the husband taking care of his wife and just, just different stories like that that would hit home because I feel like my children are my everything and I just couldn't imagine like one simple mistake and, you know, I'm going out of their life. So that just really hit home for me and just different people sharing their experience and how they wish they would have took the opportunity to take the vaccine once it was available and they still didn't take it. And it self-helped me as well. Jasmine also mentioned having some guilt about being able to get vaccinated when her nine-year-old daughter couldn't. But when my doctor explained the benefit of more people in your house getting it and protecting those, you know, more vulnerable and at risk. It made me feel better knowing that I'm protecting her. Jasmine ultimately decided to get the COVID vaccine while she was pregnant in August of this year. I asked Jasmine how she feels about her choice now. I feel happy because I know that if I were to contract COVID, 
my chances of survival are greater, but I feel healthy and I feel fine. I just feel more safe um, knowing my baby has a fighting chance, having the antibodies to fight off everything if they were exposed to it. So I'm just grateful. I'm just grateful that I, I have access to that because other countries don't have the same opportunities we have. I would rather trust in people who spent their lives, you know, dedicating themselves to science and, and helping people. I found out pregnant women's immune systems are way weaker and I had no clue. Uh, until hearing that and I'm like oh my goodness so I was like yeah I did make the right decision right. you just feel so good you like when you get in that second third trimester and you get in the rhythm of pregnancy you're like I feel so healthy I feel so great so I just want to keep feeling that way <laughs> thanks again to Jasmine Faneuil and our experts Dr. Cynthia Jaffe Bannerman Tina Chambers and Lars Bode for joining us on this episode of N equals one you can find all our other N equals one episodes at health.ucsd.edu slash podcast, as well as on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for joining us.